so many ways I wanted to start this morning. Um, but I have to say, you know, sitting in, out here worshiping with everybody, I, I look so forward to eternity. You know, we're, we're in, in the, sitting right over here and just seeing these words of how great thou art. I think of these lyrics, and, and I, it can't, I can't get past it. I can't get past this song. This is a song that's as old as dirt. And, and it just it speaks such solid truth about the love of God. I think of God, his son, not sparing. When he sent him to die, and I can scarce take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Such a simple little poem with so much might and so much power in it that speaks so much to what we're going to talk about this morning. And I just want to take a moment and pause. And I want you to think about Jesus, because ultimately every sermon's about him. I just want you to close your eyes and think about Jesus. And I want, think of, I want you to think about how much he loves you that he's willing to spread his arms out and die for you on the cross. Father God, we love you. Mm. And you obviously love us. Forgive us, Lord, when we get stuck in fear. Forgive us, Lord, when we get stuck in shame and embarrassment. But this morning, God, let us get up. Like Jesus got up on Sunday, let us get up on Sunday and not be ashamed of what you've done for us. In your name, amen. All right, I'm done with that sermon. Next one. Here we go. Uh, you know, as I was reading the scripture for this week and really trying to think about this, you know, this is a book, the, book, the first and second Timothy is really written to Timothy, and it and it's actually has a lot to say to pastors and to elders and to leadership in the church. And, and for a while, I would struggle with this book because I would say, what does this book really have to say to the general population of a church then? Well, I think it has a lot to say to the general population of a church when you look at it from the perspective that this is, this is information that's being handed from the leader of the church, Paul, to potential other leaders in the church and the way that he's entrusting some things to Timothy. And so there's a lot we can glean from this. And, and so as I was thinking about this all week... I came up with this. I'm going to start by talking about rock climbing this morning. Because as a youth pastor and as an adventure junkie, I've suffered with this addiction my whole life. I like to do things that are a little bit out there on the edge, and I love to rock climb. And I, I loved it so much that all through college I learned how to do it and got certified and all this stuff. And so I would take people rock climbing, large groups of people, I take them rock climbing. I'm pretty experienced as a rock climber. Here's a picture of me um, out over the ocean. Check that out. Um, so that's kind of like the level that I'm at. That's not true at all. That's, that's not me. <clears throat> this is kind of more my level of rock climbing right here. Let's see this one right there, okay? Um, but no, really, the third picture I'm going to show you actually is a picture of me. Taking, I've taken some students out climbing, and, and I absolutely enjoy this sport because there's so many teaching principles that come with this sport. All right, I don't want to look at my butt anymore. We can turn that off. Thank you. And, and rock climbing is just incredible. But something that always makes me laugh is I will take groups of people. And within a group of people, there's always a dynamic. There is this little petite young girl, we'll call her Holly, uh, because in this story that happened to me, this is actually her name, a girl named Holly who weighs about two pounds and has about as much muscle as my pinky. And she's just like all happy and go lucky and say, we're going to go rock climbing? Okay. And then there's the big buff wrestler guy who went with me. 
He's like, come on, rock climbing! And he's all into it. He's all excited. He talked a really good game. But it amazes me because when you get to the cliff, and when you get to this rock face, there's this whole process you go through of instructing and making sure that you teach them how to handle the equipment right and how to hook things up. And so there's this entrusting of this thing that, that it really has to do with life and death. And so what happens is, is you have a couple different types of people when you rock climb. You have those that will climb, those that try but are so afraid they can't move, and those that won't even try. Now, Holly was this wee, petite little girl. She's actually been to this service a couple times. Then when you look at her, you go, there is no way this girl can rock climb. And the other guy, we'll call him Josh, who, who was with us, it just, he, he was just a specimen of, like, athleticism. The guy was a wrestler. He was a, I mean, some of you know him and you're laughing. And, and this story makes me laugh because I hooked Holly up, and I told her, Holly, if you trust the equipment, if you can rely on what I'm telling you, this is very safe. You do not have to be afraid. If you fall, you will be caught. You will be protected. You will not hit the ground. You can get back up, and you can start climbing again. She's like, okay. <laughs> I swore she was Spider-Man. Climbs up the rock, hits the top, comes down, and that's it. And then there's my, my, my Josh. He gets on the rock, and I'm talking this step right here. And his leg starts doing this thing. Now, if you've ever rock climbed, you've probably experienced this. It's called jackhammer leg. It's, it's a physical thing that happens to you when you can actually no longer control your body and your fear generates itself in rock climbing in one of your feet and you just uncontrollably go like this, shaking your leg. He puts one foot on the rock and his leg starts shaking. And Josh, you okay, man? Yeah, I'm good, man, I'm good. Josh, you'll be fine, you'll be safe. All right, I'm good, man. And, and he can't bring himself to take another step. He can't bring himself to pull himself up. Even though everybody around him is saying, Josh, put your hand there, put your hand there. He can't do it. He gets up a couple of layers. And what, what happens is what we call in climbing a catastrophic event. Because Josh gets rim rock. He freezes. He can't go up. He can't go down. He can't go left. He can't go right. He's terrified. And so what he does, instead of simply reaching his arm out and trying, he starts screaming and falls. And as he's screaming when he's falling, he's saying, I don't want to die. And I watched as He-Man turned into She-Ra. <laughs> and he was screaming in terror when She-Ra turned into this little spider woman. And I look at that and I go, isn't that just like our faith? Because we've been told this message that, that if we can trust in God, if we can entrust ourselves to the stuff that he tells us, if we really believe what we say we believe, we should be able to do the most ridiculous rock climbs, be able to jump from one side of the cliff face to the other. And if we fall, you know what? It doesn't matter because we're going to get caught. Because we're harnessed in. We have a lifeline connected to us. And so many of us in our faith, we become afraid we become ashamed to the point where we can't bring ourselves to climb anymore. Or even worse, there's some of us out there that refuse to go to the rock because we just don't believe we can. Where do you fit in there this morning? Where do you fit in that little story? Do you have an honest gauge of yourself? Because the reality of it is, when you're really put to the test of rock climbing... You may look the part, but you can't fool anybody. And here we find Paul in this moment. 
And if you could imagine this, I'm an artist, so I'm a visual thinker, and I, I just have this imagery of Paul sitting with this lonely pin light on him with this raggedy old towel over him, and he's freezing in prison, and he's writing these words to Timothy, knowing that he's going to die. What's going on in Rome at this time is this is a time of Nero, and Christians are experiencing this intense persecution. I'm talking, if you're associated with Paul, your life could be in danger. The guy Onesiphorus that we will see later in the scripture passage that Paul makes reference to, this guy was bold and he went and he visited Paul, but his life was in danger for doing such. So we see Paul in prison. We see him in chains, probably starving. A shadow of what he used to be. And he knows in his human heart, hear me on this, that everything he's poured his life into this, this gospel message of Jesus, it hangs in the balance. Because so many people are walking away from the faith, and there's very few that are actually staying strong. That, that in his humanness, I'm sure Paul's terrified of whether the church will last past him. That's in his humanness. So as he's writing these words to Timothy... We can take so much encouragement from it. Let me, let me just read to you this scripture. This is so good. And, and I can't start where we read this morning. I, I feel like I need to start last week when we talked about Timothy's faith. We talked about his family and how Timothy has really been entrusted with, with this gospel message. There's been a lot of spiritual depth to Timothy and his family. He's a young guy. And, and Paul says to him, fan into the flame in verse 6. He says, I remind you of your sincere faith. Uh, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, uh, excuse me, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy, don't be afraid. Last week we heard one of the pastors preach about not being afraid and not having a spirit of timidity. And that really feeds into this because if if you're timid about your faith, the likelihood of you being ashamed of your faith is so much more. If you're timid about your faith, you're allowing fear to control you and you're getting spiritual jackhammer leg. You may want to climb. It may be everything in you that wants to get to the top, but you just can't seem to trust the gear. You just can't seem to trust God. Paul goes on to say this to Timothy. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. When when he says these words to Timothy, these are big words. Because, you know, I I really, I love my high school students. A lot of them wear their silver rings and they go to school and and they're made fun of for that. And and I got to give them mad props for sticking that out. And that's that's a form of persecution. But I'm going to tell you what. When, When you're walking down the street and someone wants to put a knife in your back, because you believe in Jesus, that is something that we don't know about. That that we have a hard, in my opinion, we have a hard time relating to. Because this whole book is about persevering for the sake of the gospel. And, And it means that because of the gospel, you will be ridiculed, you will be poked at you will you will have hard times that hit you and what he's saying here is is you got to endure that you got to persevere that don't be ashamed of the fact that you believe in jesus don't be ashamed of me timothy you know i think of people who have people in their family that are in jail it's not their proudest moment in their family 
But the reality of it is, it's there, it happens. You can either simply be ashamed of it, or you can try to do something positive about it. And Paul is that same thing to Timothy. He's in jail, he's a prisoner. He's looked at as a social outcast. And so you have Timothy, who's this 30-year-old guy, struggling, I'm sure, with you know, everybody's bailing out on the faith, and Paul's in prison. Am I going to die? Am I next? What am I going to do? A man who walked with Jesus by his side denied him out of fear of what people would think. So I'm sure these things are in Paul's mind as he says, don't be ashamed. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. I love it because Paul's like, Timothy, why don't you just, why don't you just join me? You know what? We're going to suffer for Christ. Join me in that suffering. He's telling him as a preacher and a teacher and a guy who's going to go out and proclaim the gospel, Timothy, you're going to suffer. Enjoy it. Join me in this. You know, we talked about soldiers earlier. I look at the soldier and I think of the way that they stand up. They master their fear and they face terrible things. They don't turn and run. They're not ashamed of who they are. They love their country. They love their God. They love their family. And they're willing to do whatever they have to do, even though they're afraid. I'm going to tell you right now, every rock climb I go on, I'm terrified. But we have to master our fear like those soldiers master their fear. Do you think on June 6th, the men storming the beaches of Normandy weren't afraid? They mastered their fear. And as believers, we're told by the word of God not to be afraid, to fear no man that we have a good shepherd who will lead us by the still waters. We are not to be timid. We are not to be ashamed. We are to join in the suffering. He has saved us and called us to his holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our our Savior, Christ Jesus. He destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that when Jesus came and died on the cross, as we sang about earlier, that should have given you goosebumps or moved you a little bit? When we sing about that, do you believe, can you take it in, that the God who created everything in the universe, the sun, the stars, the stars have been beautiful the last three nights. Anybody see the meteor shower on Friday night? I mean, if you can look at that stuff and question God, I question you. We have a beautiful creator, but we are significant to him. Not Jupiter, not Venus, not the shooting stars. We are significant to him. So significant that he sent his son Jesus to this messy place to die for our sins. And because of that great love, that willingness that Christ had to come down from heaven to give us his spot in eternity, he rose from the dead. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. What about that? What about that? Come, come, come anything in this earth. What about that should we be embarrassed or ashamed about? What? I'm so proud of the church in China 
because they're facing fierce opposition and fierce persecution. But they're growing faster than grass over there because their reliance is upon the Lord and they're joining with Paul and with Timothy and all of those who have gone before in that suffering. And they are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you think they're afraid? Yeah. But God's got it. We might fall, but God's got it. Jesus came. He died for our sins. He set us free. And Paul says in this letter that this is why I choose to suffer. Don't you think if Paul just shut his mouth, like so many preachers as of late in the Middle East have been told to do, that they would just be off scot-free, let go? Paul says, I will not be silent. I will cry out for my God. I will not be ashamed. I will look at these prison chains as blessings. How many of you guys have looked at the things in your life, the hardships in your life, as opportunities and blessings? I struggle with that. I need to do more of that. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. It's, this, is, this, is a, this is an interesting piece of scripture. In the ESV, it says, says, it says this. It says, um, this is why I'm suffering. I know whom I believe, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what he has entrusted to me. And in the original writings of this passage, there's kind of a double statement here. Yes, we have entrusted to God, but God has entrusted something to us that follows the theme of this book. It's called the good deposit, but what it really is, it's the fact that Paul taught Timothy about Jesus. He shared the gospel with Timothy, and this is what we as an entire church can get out of this, is he took that information, that gospel message of Christ, he passed it on to somebody who could then pass it on to somebody else, who could then pass it on to somebody else. And he says, don't be afraid. Take the gospel message. Take this thing that that was deposited in you. Timothy, you can be afraid, but know this. You may walk to downtown Rome. People may want to burn you at their party. They may want to murder you in the streets. God will protect you. And so many times when it comes to sharing our faith, we're terrified, aren't we? I'm going to tell you right now, I would much rather speak to 1,500 people than one person. Because it's intimidating, isn't it? It's hard to share the faith. Why? I don't know. It just is. But the reality of it is, if you don't think you have the words to share the gospel, God will give you the words. If you don't think you have the courage to share the gospel, God will give you the courage to share the gospel. He didn't ask us to crawl up on a cross and die for the sins of men. He simply said, join me, carry your cross. He asked the disciples not to feed the 5,000. He asked them to be willing to deliver the food. And we have not been asked anything more than to be willing vessels for the Lord. God will do it through you. Paul's very clear here that it's nothing that we do. It's what he does through us. And I'm going to tell you right now, as a believer... And as a family of believers, if we're ashamed to share our faith, if we're afraid or ashamed to share our faith, we've got to stop it. Because we're not doing it anyway. 
We're actually stifling the Spirit when we live in fear. And we can't do that. We can't live in fear. We don't have a spirit of timidity. The book of Psalms tells us that we don't fear man. And if we truly believe that, church, we've got to recognize that God, the Holy Spirit, that Jesus will guard that good deposit in us. Do you get that? If you ask for his help, guess what? He will. Maybe some of you have had those moments in your life where the topic of your faith or sharing the gospel has come up and you have rattled off scripture that you never knew you knew. Anybody ever have that happen to you? Ever have one of those moments where you just simply didn't have the words? Maybe someone just lost a loved one and somehow God showed up and, and you spoke and you're like, well, did I just really do that? The answer is no, God did it through you because you were willing to be a vessel. You know what I love about rock climbing? Is when I find someone who's willing to climb, I'm strapped into this person, and I'm, it's called belaying. And when I find someone who's not maybe physically as strong as some of the other people, but they're willing to go up the rock, do you know what we're doing? We're pulling, and we're helping. And I'm going to tell you right now, when Holly climbed for the first time, it was probably more us than her. But she got on that rock. She was willing, and she got to the top. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're willing to just simply put your hands to work for God, he will pull you to where you need to go in a good way. He will get you to the top, and you will then get courage and confidence. And you will believe in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. You will have an intimate relationship with God that you can't even begin to imagine when you simply let go and trust him, like Timothy's being encouraged to do. In Paul's human nature... He's terrified that the church won't go past him. But because of God, he knows that it will. He's very specific about saying, he will protect that good deposit. He will protect the gospel in you. All you got to do, Timothy, is be willing. Church, we need to be willing. We've entrusted our lives to God, and he's entrusted us with the most important message this world will ever hear. He's not just going to set you off and let you go with that information. He's going to take care of you. You've got to let him do it. You've got to surrender. You've got to not try to do everything on your own. We're all messed up, right? But only through Jesus, only through the forgiveness of our sins and through God, can we do anything. You know, you look at this next passage of Scripture, and it's very discouraging, because in verse 15 we see the opposite side. We see those people who refuse to climb. Paul says in verse 15, You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagellus and Hermogenes. What do you think that must be like? Later, he's even going to talk about Titus. Can you imagine how afraid they must have been to turn away? Do you have courage? Could you stand on the battlefield and not run? We have a mighty God who will protect us. And we haven't faced much persecution. God bless it. I thank God for that. But maybe one day you will. Will you stand unashamed for the Lord? Verse 16, May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he, he, he searched hard for me until he found me. 
When you're in prison back in the day, you didn't have cable TV. You, were, you weren't fed. People had to come feed you. And to be a criminal like Paul, one who is like a guaranteed death threat against your own life if you show up, that's a big deal. But here's this guy on us before us who takes courage and is not ashamed, and he marches to the prison. He asks questions. Where's Paul? Where's Paul? And he goes out in the name of God, and he ministers, unafraid. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on the day of judgment. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. Church, there's a lot of hurting people out there. There is a lot of opportunity for the message of Jesus to go forward. Are you carrying it? Are you living it? Are you speaking it? You don't have to be a theologian to do that. Do you know that? You don't have to have the ability to speak Greek or Hebrew or have the books of the Bible memorized or even know their order. You just need to be willing to take the message that God put in you. Listen to me. The message that was entrusted to you and share that with people. Does that make sense? Does that sound hard at all? It means helping your neighbor. It means loving your family. It means defending those who can't defend themselves. It means helping people you don't like. Do you know what ultimately turned Rome? Where's the center of the, 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 the um, uh, Protestant church today? Or excuse me, the Catholic church is, is centered, the original church is centered in Rome. The place of its biggest persecution. Do you know why that is? Because regardless of what the Roman citizens and regardless of what the government did to the Christians, the Christians kept showing up. When Rome burnt, even to be blamed on the Christians, the Christians, not the government, the Christians, not just the anybody, not the help aid or not, not this group or that group, it was the Christians that showed up unconditionally and loved their enemies, loved their neighbors, and helped out their fellow man. We are to love God and love others, and we are not to be ashamed of that. You have been given a precious gift with the fact that we sang how great, they are, great thou art this morning, that you have been told that Jesus was sent to die for your sins. And if you're sitting in here now, I'm sorry, you don't have a responsibility to pass that message on to somebody and to not be ashamed. It doesn't mean you walk down the schools or the halls of your school beating people over the head with the Bible or calling somebody out because they said a swear word. It's not that. It's teaching people the love of Christ and understanding that people are broken and messy and that you're going to be there to walk them through that broken and messiness. That, that they may get a little afraid to climb the rock, but you're going to be there to help pull them up the rock. If we can do that as a church, we can see a city transformed for God. Rome is now the center of the church. I think of something that was said to me last night, last week when we were talking about the hurricane, when it came to Katrina. Everybody stopped going except for the Christians. And the people would say, 
we pray that the Christians never stop coming. Is that said of you and I today? Is that said of you and I today? Is that said of our God because of people's experience with us today? God will go before you. He will speak through you. He will empower you. And he will use you mightily if you just simply get on the rock. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. May we not be people who run away on our own power. But may we be people who serve you in your power. May we be people that demonstrate grace, love, and mercy. And may we never be afraid to speak the name Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.